0: nation presents mustaches and muffins with macho man randy savage a show in which we talk about muffins and our favorite muffin of the day joining me of course as always is brother christopher ray Patton. how you doing sir dang
1: it hi i'm uh <laughs> that was actually pretty damn great there dane I, i'm doing okay man i was just i was at the bank for like an hour standing in line. So I'm looking forward to not being at the bank for an hour standing in line. How about you, dude?
0: Yeah, that sounds terrible. I'd way rather not be in the, in the bank standing in line for an hour. That's still, uh, that's like a, it's not as bad as the DMV, but it still sucks, you know, but, um, actually all jokes aside guys, for anyone that was worried about it, uh, this is not, Mustache and Muffins with Macho Man Randy Savage, although that would be awesome if that was an option. Uh, this is actually another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance uh, where we weekly break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news from the last week. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, uh, some good, uh, some not so good, and, uh, you know, just uh, any new listeners, um, if you want to... Learn more about us. Follow us at com. It's a website that has news items and then links for all of our audio platforms to listen to. If you can't, live on Blog Talk. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube. If it exists, we're there. So check us out on all those platforms. Also join us, Geek Fibes Nation, uh, at anything, you know, between Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook – um, and we'll we'll have some fun conversations and uh, yeah, but let's get into this, Chris. Um, let's start off with the not so good, <laughs> and uh, just kind of break this whole entire clusterfuck down that was uh, Super Showdown. Uh, just let, let's go into overall thoughts because uh, I have a lot to say about this. I'll, I'll I'll like open it up and then pass it to you, and then I'll kind of like you know finish, but. If you are in the know, and I feel like a lot of people are, uh, you know, that are diehard fans like me, like you, Chris, you know, we were reporting a couple weeks ago that Goldberg was not going to be a part of WrestleMania, Triple H wasn't, uh, that the plans were Bray Wyatt against, Ro- or against Roman for the title, uh, and that Elias was going to be going against John Cena. Now, that was until Dave Metzler reported that Vince, you know, like Vince does, decided to change things. And in an aspect that I kind of understand in a business sense, uh, he is shopping the WrestleMania and probably the other big three pay-per-views to other outlets like an ESPN+. Plus, and he thought that Roman Reigns versus Goldberg uh, would be a bitter, b- bigger marquee match uh, for that type of thing um but <laughs> besides the fact that I hate that I have to pay extra after paying for the fucking network, you know, regardless of if they'll keep the, the the takeovers and and the smaller, I guess, pay-per-views there. I think that's kind of bullshit. But, you know, they're going to test this out and see how it goes, probably for this year so get you, you know, get used to pay- paying $60. Or honestly, you know, at this point, I hate to say this, if you pay for the fucking network if you can find other means to watch it, you know I'm not I'm not condoning it, but I'm also not you know saying you know you shouldn't pay sixty dollars more for WWE after all this bullshit. Um, but yeah, showdown. What I'm trying to say is we kind of saw what was going to happen. You know, people were actually positive about the match changes. Cena versus the Fiend. Goldberg's already beaten the Brock, Brock Lesnar fairly quickly. He's, he ran through KO. You know, even at his age, and even though that was three years ago, it's still kind of believable that he can take the title off The Fiend. You know, and The Fiend doesn't need a fucking title to begin with. And then you have the Battle of the Spears between Roman and Goldberg going into it, and Roman gets a bigger pop if he beats Goldberg than probably a boo-fest if he beats The Fiend for the title. But I knew where this is fucking going, so I don't understand so much some of the the outrage and anger, especially from, like that I like within the industry, even like a sulla Monster. Well, I'm a really big fan of solo Monster, but you know, if if you didn't see this coming, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you. It's WWE. Regardless of if, if the facts were out there or if the rumors were out there or if Dave was reporting it or whatever, you know, this is WWE. Uh, I do think it sucks that AJ Styles, who is a legend at this point, let's not act like he's young talent because people are grouping him in with Ricochet and fucking Bray. Uh, AJ's been around for a while, but he shouldn't have fucking just gotten slammed down by Undertaker, one, two, three, that's it, I, I agree with that, Ricochet, you could have given him two minutes of offense, now I don't know what the fuck he does, and Bray really should have definitely gotten some offense, at first it was going good, I liked the reversal, and then they just decided to do four spears and a really bad, um, what was that, a fucking modified side slam, trying to be a jackhammer, Uh, I have no idea. But anyways, Chris, uh, general thoughts on the Super Showdown. Oh,
1: Let's see here. General thoughts, general thoughts. Well, it was a WWE house show in which they did two title changes and matches that lasted less than five minutes. Or one title change and one title match, I should say. Uh, nothing really surprising, man. I think you hit all of the the major notes there, which is you look around and you hear these stakeholder calls, um, stockholder calls, stakeholder calls, whatever you want to call it. And they've been talking about a tiered network system and ESPN plus and the partnership with Fox and how maybe they could utilize this stuff on pay-per-view. It's kind of like the writing was on the wall. And then bringing in Goldberg, obviously, uh, all signs kind of pointed to something, some sort of fuckery happening. I, I think the the one takeaway I have from it, at least, I don't have to see that dumbass Fiend title anymore. <laughs> like, I don't think Goldberg is going to be out there carrying the uh, the Fiend face title to Mania, so that's that's going to be good. Um, Outside of that, I mean, they did the same thing with Kevin Owens. It's a quick title change to get the title on Goldberg. I know that upsets some people. Uh, My suggestion for those people is to make sure you watch each week on SmackDown when The Fiend's there, increase the ratings, make sure that his segments are highly popular, and then uh, you won't have this kind of thing happen because if you look at the ratings when Goldberg shows up, there's a massive increase. So then sees Goldberg.
0: And he should, as a, still a big
1: name, still a big draw. So the idea is you put Goldberg on there, you set up these big matches between him and Roman, you get Cena coming off the, well, right, well, I guess it'd be right before the release of Fast and the Furious. I mean, you're basically, you're getting some star power, essentially. Um, the WrestleMania card itself, I think, looks pretty good. Uh, the AJ Taker match, I mean, Fans have asked for that for a long time. He's asked for that for a long time. I don't know how good it's going to be, but that's one thing you can say about WWE is that's that's a match in booking that people can't complain about because both AJ asked for it uh, and to some extent the, the fans have asked for it. So, I don't know. It's a weird-ass show. Uh, they should do something with Mansoor. I'll say that because just as a fan watching him, seeing him win in his hometown – You know, two years in a row, kind of, or the last two events there. Uh, He always looks really good in his matches. So I wish they would do something with him uh, on the normal products. But, yeah, Uh, outside of that, man, I think you hit all the the notes. I thought it was a fine show. I mean, those Saudi shows are pretty much like watching, uh, I don't know, watching one of the house shows that they record or just a, a SmackDown, basically with some title matches thrown in there. Um, I will say I did like the gauntlet match. I didn't like that Ray got taken out, but I liked it. Our uh, truth kind of ran through some of the competition. That was, that was pretty cool. Maybe they'll actually do something with him now. We'll see, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. I just think, like you said on paper, the WrestleMania card is looking pretty good, man. And uh, whether or not I do agree, I, I, I assessed the, the fear uh, that, you know, younger talent uh, being lower on the card or getting beaten too quickly by some of the older talent. But you got to realize this is not just now. <laughs> this is not just the WWE. I mean, if you go to the AWA, the, you know, I was listening to Dave Metzler talk about it. Nick Bockwinkle did the same thing. Or not Nick Bockwinkle, I should say. Uh, call um man. Johnny. Vern Gagne? Yeah, Vern (laughs) Gagne, he did the same thing with Nick Bockwinkle and before that with The Crusher because he would have them come back in because he was trying to establish people, uh, but it just wasn't working out, so he knew that people were names, and he would go to that. With Nick Bockwinkle, that's the reason why some guy named Hulk Hogan, you know, decided to go to the WWE because he just never saw himself exceeding uh, him in that territory. WWE. How long did it take, you know, the Hulk Hogan and Macho Man and Rowdy Roddy Piper uh, to be lessened for other superstars? And honestly, even Brett and, 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 and Sean never, you know, well, they were they were both kind of cut short for different reasons. Sean for substance abuse and uh, an injury, and Brett obviously for the screw job and all that stuff. But they still weren't. Brett, you know, globally was a pretty big draw, but like, you know... Other than that, it wasn't as big as you know the previous with Hulk Hogan, and uh, I think they kind of would have had that option uh, with Stone Cold and The Rock if both of them didn't stop their careers uh, early, and now it seems like John Cena, Brock Lesnar, you know, if you have a spot for Batista before he retired, Randy Orton, they're going to have some of the bigger spots because they're still trying to draw money as a company, and I, I get that, but I do understand the fear of people of, of, you know, Ricochet, for instance. I mean, what the fuck does this say for him? I mean, you could have had him be the next Rey Mysterio Jr. You really could have, uh, in WWE and that this, this obviously does not make me think that now uh, besides Lana, who just had to come on the fucking rampway and shit. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of people got paid for having to do pretty much nothing like Rey like Undertaker, those are pretty good paydays. Uh, but Saudi Arabia, like 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 we said, it, it is pretty much an overglorified house show. But let's let's kind of cut into this. Uh, we had this. I, I actually didn't see this on the pre-show, but the OC got a, a win over the Viking Raiders. It makes sense that you give them a win even over the ex champions, because well, for one, they fucking deserve it because they get pretty much fucked and booking all the time. But you're trying to establish them with AJ as as a unit. Uh, and it makes AJ look good, especially since he's going to get chokeslammed slammed and beaten by the Undertaker in two seconds. In the next match, uh, the Gauntlet match I did actually like. It was for the prestigious uh, Twake, uh Mountain Trophy, which basically looked like a giant piece of like lollipop or some shit. Um, I wonder if Undertaker has it in his freezer to preserve it right now. Uh, Who the hell makes this? Uh,
1: real, real question, Dan. Who the hell designs these trophies for WWE? We had the women's uh, tournament trophy. We had the weight trophy. Uh, some of these look really, really, really bad. But uh, I like the idea of it being a gauntlet match and uh, kind of a king of the mountain type match. They should have just called it king of the mountain type match since it's literally uh, the, the term of that. the The entire event was about like a prestigious mountain in Saudi Arabia, right?
0: Yeah, that represents truth and freedom and, and a bunch of stuff that's definitely not, um, you know, just propaganda garbage. But anyways, yeah, I, I don't know who designs these trophies, but I want them next time to, to just take, like, a mold of, like, uh, I don't know, the Big Show's left butt cheek and just put that as a statue and see <laughs> if anyone just – to, just, to, just to do it. Uh, but it, it was an do, interesting do you remember? Trophy.
1: Do you remember the trophy from uh, Guts, the Ragnarok? Like, yeah, dude. Trophy, I was one of that. <laughs> if you need a mountain trophy, why not just basically copy the Ragnarok trophy? That would have been awesome. Yeah, this,
0: this is how unathletic I was back, and just just did not care for sports. I would pretty much go through the whole entire episode not paying attention until the ending because I wanted to see who got the uh, the uh, the trophy at the end of it, the Avro Crag or whatever the fuck it was. Oh, God. Back when I was younger.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I called it the Ragnarok. I think it is the Aggro Crack, but like, still, you
0: could have used that design.
1: They should have just stole that.
0: Stole something from Nickelodeon from 90-fucking-5 WWE, Jesus. But yeah, let's 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 go through this uh this gauntlet match. Uh, start off with Bobby Lashley. Jesus Christ! And r truth, r truth got a victory over Bobby Lashley. I mean, that was a big thing. It's kind of out of nowhere. By the way. There was a new 24 episode. It's not really a 24. I mean, it is a day in the life of of R-Truth, but it's actually just an hour-long documentary of his career, even going into Impact and, and whatnot, and I would definitely recommend watching it. Um, I've always been a fan of R-Truth, but just even more so. He's, he's kind of like um, outside of the industry. He's just a really good fucking dude, kind of like a DDP almost, just like a really good guy, uh, does a lot for the company, does a lot for Make-A-Wish. Uh, and cares, it seems, is always positive, which is very hard to find within an industry like, like professional wrestling. But um, I was glad to see him get, like, this accidental – like, it's, it's an R-Truth thing, but, like, he's like the, uh, the 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 marathon man, but he's like an accidental one, where the first one, he kind of sweeps up Bobby Lashley, gets it. Bobby Lashley beats his living shit out of him. By the way, Bobby Lashley, what the hell's going on with him? you think that after this whole Rusev program – they would be doing something. Honestly, when he went against Ricochet, it, I mean, I know that no one's really clamoring for a match as far as seeing the match, but, like, the concept of Lashley and Brock Lesnar probably would have been more interesting than what we got in retrospect. They obviously don't see him as anything because he loses immediately to Our truth who then has it uh, with Andrade, they ha- they go back back and forth and then Andrade w- goes to give the uh, basically the Judas effect. He actually did it beforehand, but I forgot what it's called, like a spinning back elbow. But they traded like a headbutt, and at first I thought it was legit. I thought they really knocked the shit out of each other on accident. But then our troops just fell perfectly on top of Andrade, and he pinned the U.S. champion. I would come back to that. Our truth does not have a belt uh, with 24/7. He's a past U.S. champion. You know he should have claims to be like Andrade, blah blah blah. But then again, I think they are on different programs. If I'm, no, I have no idea where our truth is. I'll, I'll just will be honest with you. Either way, he gets Andrade. Eric Rowan comes out. He can't put our truth down after a lot of shit. Gets all pissed off and flustered like an idiot um, after his cage gets knocked over accidentally by our truth and hits him with a uh, with a chair, which we know that Damien is in there. And Jake will be coming for Eric Rowan uh, at WrestleMania. So remember that, guys. Um, and then AJ Styles obviously comes out, Chris. Uh, you know, fucks with our truth, does some dancing, does, makes us white people look really good when it comes to the dance concept. Thanks, AJ. Um, and uh, inevitably beats our truth. He has a big smile on his face. Rey Mysterio's music comes on. We find out the club has actually beat the living shit out of Rey Mysterio backstage. We're actually in a pre-recorded segment, probably not over in Saudi Arabia. Um, and then obviously AJ's all happy. There's a ten count to get Ray in the ring, or it's going to automatically go to AJ Styles. We then uh, see the OC getting their asses kicked, and you see the Undertaker's boots uh, go through go across the screen with his uh, you know his trench coat. He comes out has the longest, like always, entrance, and I love it. But then he just gets in. Uh, AJ, you know, gets all flustered, gets choke slammed, one, two, three. Undertaker doesn't even take off his hat uh and beats AJ Styles. I gotta say, I mean, it's the Undertaker. I think it's fine. You know, he destroyed John Cena two years ago at WrestleMania without little to anything, you know, and AJ's been around for a very long time. So this is obviously setting up something. I just don't know what you do with this since Undertaker just beat them very quickly, easily, chokeslammed them. Not a, not a lot of uh, reasoning of how, you know from AJ of why they should go each, against each other at Mania. I've heard rumors of how they're going to get around that. I you know, but they're just rumors at this point. It's uh it's interesting. I, I'm looking forward to Monday. AJ going to match with Alistair Black, and I'm pretty sure at some point. Undertaker's going to do something, I I would assume. I don't know. Or AJ's going to say something to piss him off to get him to come out the following week. But um, I like this match. It was fun. Uh, I like that R-Truth was the guy that got through it. I wish that they would put R-Truth in a bigger position, maybe the U.S. title. Uh, But there's a lot of guys clamoring for that, including Andrade having it, and Humberto Carrillo, and and Angel, and a lot of other people within that scene. So it will be interesting. I want R-Truth versus Andrade at Mania for the U.S. title, to be honest with you. But uh, either way, I kind of took a long time breaking this down, Chris. I apologize. But what do you think about the uh, gauntlet match itself? And then Undertaker beating AJ in very, very speedy fashion. I actually liked the
1: R-Truth stuff, and hopefully they do set it up for him uh,
0: possibly going for the U.S.
1: title. I think that's something fun they can do, especially – uh, I guess considering how that how things are shaking out, I do feel like they're building to something with uh, Angel and Andrade down the line. Uh, it just seems to kind of be that way, but I could be wrong on that. Um, yeah, I like the Gauntlet match itself. The, the Undertaker spot, I have no problem with. I mean, it's just setting up for a bigger match. I like that they showed... Uh, him kind of coming and saving Ray. I think there's some stuff you can do there. Maybe you get like a tag match at elimination chamber or something fun like that. Um, yeah. I, you know, it was fun. It was probably my favorite match of the show because the rest of the show is just kind of there in all honesty.
0: Yeah. I, I, I kind of tend to agree with you on that, uh, but it'll be interesting to see uh, going forward. What happens, um, with with Undertaker and AJ, you know we're gonna have to set this up on Monday Night Raw, and they got a couple weeks, and I'm sure it's gonna get bigger and bigger. Uh, we had the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match, The Miz and John Morrison going against the New Day, and this is actually a pretty good match, uh, back and forth. Um, at the end of it, John Morrison used the steel chair, which allowed Miz to roll up Kofi Kingston with a handful of tights to win the match and get those SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Uh, after your You know, uh, last night they came out on SmackDown, gloated about it, and the Usos uh, let them know that there's actually going to be an elimination chamber for the tag team titles on SmackDown. And I think this is the one that's taken the place of what was supposed to be the SmackDown heavyweight title to go against uh, Bray with the original plans because there was a – we actually talked about it. There was a men's SmackDown – Elimination Chamber, the names are already announced. Roman was involved in that. I'm assuming Roman would have won that, but instead they're doing with the tag. But we have The New Day, uh, Miz and Morrison, who are the champions, uh, The Usos, uh, Lucha House Party, which I didn't even know they are on SmackDown, uh, Heavy Machinery, and then Dolph and Rude. And I know it's probably not going to happen, but I'm actually rooting for Heavy Machinery because I want Otis to have a championship belt. But he's got whatever going on with Dolph and and Mandy. Uh, but uh, anyways, Chris, what do you think about this match? What do you think about Morrison and uh, Miz being the new champions? And what do you think about the Elimination Chamber match uh, established last night on SmackDown?
1: So I kind of like Miz and Morrison being a champion. I think there's a – obviously, to me, this is building us up for maybe a three-way match at WrestleMania because you got to get the Usos a new date on the card somehow. Um, I like the change to the um, elimination chamber. Uh, we you kind of talked about the pre-show match a little earlier. Um, I was a little surprised. This is more on the Raw tag team side. I didn't bring it up, but I was a little surprised that they had the Viking Raiders lose. I know they're trying to put the OC over for this taker match and and all that jazz. But uh, where does that really leave the Raw? tag titles with Buddy and Seth holding them. Um, because to me, it seems like you would have the Viking Raiders take it off them, but I guess they're just going to rotate in Street Profits for that. Either way, I mean, uh, I like the idea of the Elimination Chamber with a with tag match. I don't know. Have they done that in the past? Do you, do you
0: recall, Dane? The women's tag match, uh, I believe, last year was the first time they attempted it. Yeah, so, I mean, we've
1: seen um, the New Day and the Usos in kind of a cage match before, and that was fucking awesome. So, uh, getting heavy heavy machinery in there, and man, I, I'm with you. I would love to see heavy machinery get a win, and uh, see 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 the big guy Otis get a title belt. That'd be great, but uh, I don't know. I, it seems like a lot of fun. I kind of like yeah. the storyline. <laughs> yeah, the Kool-Aid man himself. Uh, <laughs> I I, uh, I would love to I, I think that's going to be a fun match And it definitely one I'm looking forward to On Elimination Chamber Which when I look at the rest of Seems like what is going to be set up on that card Which is probably going to be Roman Beating Corbin To set up this, I don't know I don't know what the fuck they're going to do with that Goldberg thing But uh, yeah I don't know I, I like the idea of that tag Elimination Chamber And I, I like the match okay
0: Yeah, I thought it was a good match. I thought the next match was good, too. It just had no care from the audience. Honestly, they might have put on the best match between Cousins, Angel Garza, and Humberto Carrillo, who kind of remind me in a similar relationship of knowing each other in the ring, like Eddie and Chavo had back in the day. These guys definitely have worked with each other a million times, but the audience didn't really care at all. After a series of pinfall reversals, Angel Garza got the win over him. And, yeah, I think that there is a way, if you're not doing... You know, it just it, – it would make sense with Truth. He has a reason. He he pinned the U.S. champion, even if it was an accident. He still has claim for it, you know. But Angel Garza, if he's getting uh, too much, you know, uh, attention, and I don't even mean it more so that as a manager from uh, Selena, you know, maybe when he gets back full time, you know, uh, you have uh, – whatchamacallit um, – uh which oh, man, my brain is not working today. Uh, you have Andrade who's pissed off and like what the hell? And Angel, you can push him as a baby face because it's funny because they both have qualities obviously that remind me of Eddie Guerrero. But Angel's definitely got more of the babysit face personality and that, that type of uh, you know, um I don't I don't know, mom the mamacita stuff and, and he's fun and um Andrade's more of the angry Uh, you know, I'm going to beat the crap out of you and break your leg, WCW, Eddie. So I could definitely see them going for that. I just don't think... You don't need to have Humberto involved, honestly. I just don't think that he has really... I hate to say earned it, but he's just not as as big when we're building to Mania. But um, what what did you think about this match between Humberto Carrillo and Angel Garza?
1: I, I thought it was a really, really good match. I like Angel Garza a lot. I think there's a lot of star potential there. Um Ever since seeing him in those Leo Rush matches on the NXT, I've kind of been a huge fan of his. Uh, if I'm being completely honest, but um, I, to me, it seems like the way they're setting this up is they've always specified that Andrade and Zelina were just a business, basically. That that's just his manager. There's nothing else there. It seems like Angel has been hitting on her recently, so I'm assuming the storyline is. Uh, that's a relationship with angel and selena and then you get like a jealous andrade uh because i I just see angel garza as a baby face like you were saying i think he he kind of comes off that way um (laughs) i like that he made some of the robotic uh people interesting some of the backstage interviews and stuff last week with with him like kissing her hand and i don't know he's just really playing that character up well and i could definitely see them going that route with uh Garza versus Andrade in the future. Humberto, I, I I almost want to say it would benefit him to go down to NXT and work with some of those Cruiserweight guys because I think the Cruiserweight division in NXT has kind of been really awesome lately. So I don't think that would be too bad for him. Unfortunately, like... He got kind of cut off at the legs because of all those losses to AJ Styles, so that's part of the, the crowd being dead. One, they don't really know Angel Garza that, that well, and if you've been watching TV, and if you were watching this last year, what Humberto won the – was it, I can't remember if it was a gauntlet or the last event, I should say. I can't remember if it was a gauntlet match or a uh, – or a battle royal, and then he just immediately got beat by AJ Styles. So the fans there, their remembrance of Humberto was just getting his ass kicked by AJ Styles. Like, so I uh, wasn't surprised the crowd was dead, but I thought this was a good match, man. I, I really like those two guys in the ring together, but like you said, I think the actual storyline is, is more a lot around Zelina Vega, Angel Garza, and Andrade going forward, especially if, uh, Heyman's able to get his hands on it cuz he tends to like that love triangle situation. I mean, you can go back and look at like Tommy Dreamer and Raven for instance or Tommy Dreamer and Sandman. They kind of did that storyline a lot. Like, yeah, I could <laughs> I could easily see them doing something like that on Raw and it'd be pretty interesting the the idea of uh, Andrade being completely jealous of Angel's relationship with uh, Selena Vega. I think that that could be really fun.
0: Yeah. And the WWE, you know, whether <clears throat> WWE doesn't mind uh, having us try to erase stuff that we've seen in the past, you know, and I'm not talking about Aleister Black and, um, and obviously being in a relationship with Selena or being married, I should say to it. But the fact that at, 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 when Angel won the Cruiserweight title, he had his uh, fiance come in the ring and he has to marry her on NXT. But at the same time, I don't care. I kind of hope that they, they, they've they kind of been planting that. And I don't mind them going into that as a storyline. I'll put my mind past it. Um, but uh, next match, we had... This one is a really head-scratcher, man. I got to admit. Uh, we had the Raw Tag Team Championships. Seth Rollins and Murphy going against Street Profits. I thought this was a really good match. Um, you know, I'm, I'm nothing more, I, I would say than a TV match, but still a good match nonetheless, but, um, Rollins delivered a Somp to Angela Dawkins, poor Angelo on the ring apron while referees back was turned, allowing Murphy to pin Dawkins for the win. I would have actually, if, i them to do some, you know, some booking strategy, uh, since we don't have Samoa Joe in the picture anymore. And I think that they were pushing for Joe and KO against Murphy and Seth. Get the tag titles off of them. Have the Street Profits beat Buddy Murphy or whatever. Montez, get his splash on him. Get the titles on them. Have some dissension, but not too much within the faction. Give them a little more than these stupid sermons or whatever the fuck that are not working. Uh, Which, honestly, I've been watching the Elimination Chambers, and I went back to 2009, uh, just the matches themselves. That, I mean, I wasn't around during it. It is a straight fucking ripoff of the Straight Edge Society because I watched the 2009 one, the first one they had, and it's, I mean, it's it's pretty much the same type of thing, except for Seth's not, that, not acting as douchey punk. Um, <clears throat> but either way, I'll get the titles off of them, put on the Street Profits, have them versus AOP for the titles, uh, and then from there, have Seth go against KO, and Murphy possibly going against Aleister Black. Um, you'll still get a great match after two of them. Uh, but I don't know what they're doing. We have the Elimination Chamber to find out. I just, like you said also, the the past champions got beat by the OC on the pre-show. So just uh, strange. And then there's the OC as well. What are they going to be doing? Uh, Chris, how did you like this match?
1: Uh, I I don't necessarily like the Street Profits taking the loss here because <laughs> – <I laughs> Unless somehow Samoa Joe is going to come back from suspension, be healthy, and you're going to have KO and Samoa Joe win the titles, I don't. You've got to get the titles off of Seth and, and Murphy. You just had the Viking Raiders lose. Um, I, I just don't know where that storyline goes, and I'm kind of tired of seeing all these guys just thrown together randomly. And uh, didn't Rollins just kick? They just kicked the shit out of. Uh, Angelo Dawkins on Monday Night Raw, so the the care about this match is not really there, especially because the Street Profits have... I, do they even have a win on Monday Night Raw? If I'm being I couldn't even I, like, tell you. I don't think so. Like I know they've done the Saturday Night Live gimmicks, and uh, then they've had these singles matches where they've kind of just gotten destroyed. Last time I remember them kind of doing anything impressive at all with an NXT as far as in the ring. And I actually like the Street Profits okay. I just I think they're being poorly booked and taking another loss here against the tag champions. To me, like they don't deserve a, a title shot now. And you have to get the title off Seth because the match at Mania, like I said, barring if they want to go the Samoa Joe route, is Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. So you have to get the bucket tag titles off them. I don't know how they're going to manage to do that, but it's uh, – I don't know. So the match itself I thought was fine. It wasn't anything special at all, but the um, the storyline and, and the build to what I think is happening at Mania just doesn't make any sense. And uh, I agree with you on the Seth Rollins thing. The problem – that more than I have with it being a copy of the Straight Edge Society is that you're asking Seth Rollins to be as good of a promo as CM Punk, which is fucking not going to happen. Nope. <laughs> like, I, like I said, I think the way you could you could easily solve this, especially with uh, AOP being in the mix, is to bring back Paul Ellery as a manager of this group, and then you can have them kind of be worshiping the Messiah. And Paul Elring can be like a prophet or something, preaching the word of Seth Rollins, and then you can still have Seth Rollins get some promo shit in, and make him the main focal point. But uh, you know what, I would man, like him doing these him doing these sermons and shit is just awful.
0: If you gotta do it at Elimination Chamber, take the belts off of them. I don't know which way you go. Obviously, you made both babyface teams look weak that are the strongest, but still can probably do that have Buddy be the cause of it, have Seth then start doubting himself and also get aggressive and position Seth more so like he was back when he was, you know, the leader of the authority and, 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 and that style of, of heel, like he's pissed off at Buddy and maybe it starts getting in his own head. And that causes that style of character. Cause none of this is working for me. I have no idea how we're going to get to mania. And I honestly don't think between the suspension and the two concussions he's had recently back-to-back, that Samoa Joe is going to be, you know, in WrestleMania. I could be wrong, but I – this is just – this is dumb.
1: Yeah, I, I agree
0: with you, man. And I
1: – unfortunately, it ties up one of my favorite wrestlers into a storyline that's really hard to care about, which is Kevin Owens. Um, But, yeah, yep. I – I don't think there's much more I can really say about this. I, You know, it's good to see Kevin Owens being this overcome all odds and, and go the route, but they're not <laughs> – we've talked about this on the past, and they, I know Brian Alvarez has talked about it on, on Observer. The big thing that's missing is you can do this, but you can't have Kevin Owens just consistently lose every fucking week. He's got to get the better of this crew at some point. Yeah. Like if you if you want a perfect example, it's the thing that I praise so highly on AEW, was Dean Ambrose, right? He kicked the shit out of the entire inner circle for like two or three weeks in a row, and then they finally whipped his ass. You know what I mean? Like the bad guys finally you know got their revenge so to speak. But you constantly seen Dean Ambrose outsmarting these guys. On fucking Raw, Kevin Owens is just getting partners who get killed and then he gets killed. Like, that's been the entire storyline. So the believability, and, and like I said, if, even if you look past all the sermon shit, just from a wrestling booking standpoint, why the hell would I even think that, that Kevin Owens has a shot against Seth Rollins with the way they've booked him?
0: I agree, man. Booking correctly and just hindsight 2020, if you have that more arrogant, I will say Triple H-like architect, you know... uh Seth Rollins feuding with a very, very well-built kind of Austin-ish, like they were trying to go for Kevin Owens. You can kind of – you could have a great fucking feud. It's worked in the past, and it could still be original. and It's whatever, but we'll have to see where this goes. I think Extreme Rules match between the two of them at Mania, which will probably be great, or even a normal tag match. Um, so let's talk about the the uh, Saudi Arabian Bret Hart, a.k.a. Mansour, uh, he came out and he defeated Dolph Ziggler. It was actually a pretty damn good uh, match. I will say that I felt bad for Dolph Ziggler's ribs because he kind of undershot his moonsault and just knees right in the fucking ribs for Dolph Ziggler. But other than that, Dolph's great at, at make it, getting other opponents over, you know, bumping and feeding. That's his his thing. I, I Like I've always said, I don't think he wishes that was his thing, but that's how it is. And he made Mansoor look great. He got a promo. I like to see this dude. I've seen him at the NXT live events in Atlanta. He's great. He's great on the mic, man. He he represents a country. I wish that they would use him more. He's young, um, but they don't, and uh, it's it's unfortunate. I, I, I do like the kid. I think he's actually pretty cool. And then just to kind of group in, Brock Lester destroyed Ricochet in two seconds uh, <laughs> and uh, retained his WWE championship. But, um yeah, I guess a lot of people expected that. I kind of expected him to get a similar treatment as Dan O'Brien, Ray, you know, AJ, but apparently not. So uh, there's that. Well, How would you feel about both those matches, Chris?
1: So the, the Mansoor match, as as we kind of talked about when we were just going over the overall show, I liked a lot. I, I like they're giving this guy these big wins. I think they should package these big wins into a video package, and if you're going to utilize them on NXT, utilize them on NXT. If not, send them to the main roster. Give him something to do. I mean, he technically would fall under the cruiserweight if you wanted to do some stuff with the Rush or Devlin down in NXT. I think that would be a great thing for him. He's had some really good matches. <laughs> uh, I will say that he's had good opponents every time I've seen him, which goes a long way, but um, there's nothing about this match that looked Bad. I didn't see any glaring botches or anything terrible. Like, it was just a solid match. Uh, I don't think it was as good as the match from the previous Saudi Arabia show that he won, Um, but it's still a really good match, and uh, obviously a huge – it's always fun to see the hometown hero in general win. Like, you know, even here, like – you go to see like a uh, Monday night raw or Smackdown when AJ was a baby face and you see him get a strong win that's just fun because he's from here you know so in WWE doesn't do that very often it's usually the exact opposite so I always appreciate when they do give a hometown uh, a hometown hero a win I think the last time I could think about it in like a a big spot outside of Mansoor is I guess Naomi winning the title at media yep. a couple of years back that's like kind of the only other one I can think of. Usually it's the opposite, like Becky, or not Becky, Bailey losing in her hometown like six times in a row or whatever, once for the title. Um, yeah. But uh, the, the Brock Lesnar match, it looked good. Lesnar threw the shit at Ricochet. <laughs> Ricochet can take some great bumps also. I, I kind of expected this. Um, I, they want to make Brock look super strong going into – to Mania, which we kind of assumed. I have no problem with him destroying Ricochet. I, I think what they should do, and I don't know if they will, is have Drew McIntyre also destroy Ricochet, maybe faster. Um, as bad as that sucks for Ricochet, but they've already damaged this guy so much that it's going to take like a brand shakeup and kind of a reimagining of Ricochet. For anyone to really care, Um, I mean, what, he took like three or four losses to AJ Styles, even before this thing started with Brock. I I can't remember the last time that he won a big match. And in the Rumble, he hit Brock Lesnar in the balls and then immediately got tossed. (laughs) So, I I don't know, man. I, I love Ricochet. I love Prince Puma. I thought that he was great. I think they have no idea how to utilize the guy, and and the more and more they do the superhero thing and give him these scripted gimmicks, uh, it's terrible. If you want to have him do the superhero thing, if you're going to constantly push the superhero thing, now is the time you could reimagine him after he just got killed by Brock. Send him off. You don't have to do Prince Puma. Put a mask on him. Have him come back as a legitimate superhero like hurricane helms or something and and give this guy something to fucking do that makes sense. Like give him actual super power powers when he dons a mask or something. Like make him kind of unbeatable in a weird way or or have him do more high spots. But just watching him get demolished week after week after week and then he's you know, he gets one win and they're like, Yeah, he's going against Brock and you're like, okay, <laughs> Well, we know how that's going to end because the title match at Mania is Brock versus Drew. Um, uh, I will say about one – I like the Mania card, but unlike previous years, there's not even a toss-up of what's going to happen going into Mania or the Mania card itself, right? We could do predictions right now, and I feel pretty confident that we would get at least 60 to 70% of it right, barring any injuries I should
0: say. Yeah, you know what? I, I I completely agree with you. That's uh that's funny, but all of them are pretty predictable. I don't know, man. Uh well involved in one of those matches that we'll kinda of talk about, uh, is a guy named Roman Reigns, and I hope this is it with him and fucking King Corbin. We said that a million times. And a still cage match. Cool concept, I I guess. Uh the basically the premise of it, you know, within a cage match, even though AEW does it differently, WWE Climb over, that's usually a heel thing to do. Uh you get pinned or you go through the door. And um Roman brought uh a chain and a padlock <clears throat> and for some reason I think visibly put the key in his pocket, uh, which I don't know why he just didn't toss that shit, but whatever, that's nitpicking. And came inside, locked the door so that Corbin didn't have that option. He either had to climb out the fucking cage, which his tall ass is gonna have a hard time doing that. Or he would have to beat, um, you know uh, Roman in the ring And it was a a fine cage match I don't think it was anything special, but nothing bad At one point, though, after trying to flee uh, Corbin got dropped And took advantage of of Roman And uh, knocked him down uh, Got the key out of his pocket Went to undo the chain Dropped the chain when Roman attacked him again And the chain was just there, basically And then Roman would use that Or first, King Corbin would Threatened to do that himself, did a horrible attempt at a, at a Superman punch. Uh, Roman evaded and then eventually got the better of him. Did his own Superman punch with the chain on his hip, on his uh, you know fist. And one two three, Roman Reigns beats Baron Corbin. Do you think this is going to keep on going, Chris, or are we finally fucking done?
1: Well. I, I mean, the problem is if if the build up is Goldberg versus Roman, Goldberg's not going to be at every one of these events, and I, I think it was on like Wrestling Observer Live, the live whatever the live radio show is with Brian. He was pointing out the fact that no one's going to really want to see Roman beat Goldberg, so. I, You have to kind of build this in a way of someone – Roman beating people that others don't like, which Corbin kind of just fits that mold. And I think that's – it's a good point because I – you know, Corbin to some extent has go-away heat, so when Roman beats him, fans cheer Roman. So I I think they're probably going to stick with that quite a bit, honestly.
0: Well – I guess we can kind of go over that match Uh, uh, last night. And I don't know if this was before or after SmackDown, but I would have agreed with Brian, and we'll have to see what happens between more interactions to the two of them. But Goldberg came out, um, and I think – actually, no, I think Dave and uh, the other guy, it sounds like a human French horn. I forgot what the fuck his name is. Um, They were talking about the pay-per-view itself, and – You know, Goldberg is going to get a lot of heat. He ended up getting a lot of heat on SmackDown. People were booing him. Uh, Roman came out. He got a huge ovation, a huge pop. Yes, there were some haters like there normally are. There was a small chant of you both suck uh, from the audience that I think pissed off Goldberg, very uh, harking back to the Goldberg-Brock situation back in 05 or 04. Um, But it seems like Roman – you know, because all of us forget this, and, and and this is one thing that me and you have agreed on a million times is that how how petty the the later half, you know, the, the people that are born from like seventy seven or seventy, I don't know, three to eighty eight or whatever, the, the the later half of the Gen Xers and the early half of the Millennials, basically, how compared to our parents, my dad thought that Hulk Hogan was fucking stupid. When I was a kid, I was buying the merch, and I was, you know, it was part of me, uh, and he would like uh, Stone Cold later on and other people, but, you know, it's not like he, it it was just different. His guy was Bruno San Martino and also Pedro Morales, who's from up north, and that's how it was, just like in the south, a lot of people's uh, guy was Dusty Rhodes and, and, and before that, but what I'm trying to say is that our, that, that generation, the one that grew up with, you know, if, if you were either uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling, NWA to WCW in the South, or if you were WWF with Vince, with Hulk Hogan, you know, we grew up with that into the 90s with the Attitude Era. The adults are so fucking petty when it comes to people. And I realized this when I watched the, uh, the Versus Aggression John Cena episode is that people – Hated John Cena back like I thought this started happening later in his career because I didn't witness a bunch of it. But no, it was like if Hulk Hogan got booed by the parents <laughs> and, and that the kids loved, you know. And and Roman Reigns is pushing the needle. That's why he's still in the picture now. It's funny because Bray is the number one merch seller, but Roman's like second. But obviously, is a draw when it comes to people coming to see him. Uh, kids love him. So like I said, our art that 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 half between the, the, the two, the Generexers and the, and the Millennials that, that, that connector, us wrestling fans from that era, we're kind of fucking petty when it comes down to it, and, um, you know, Roman, Roman's still got a huge, huge pop, Goldberg didn't, and honestly, this is the crazy thing, and I, I, maybe people would disagree with me, when it came to the Monday Night Wars, the attitude ever, whatever, whatever you want to fucking call it, um. I would, and I, I'm not a Goldberg fan. I really am not. Even back then, I thought that he overshadowed my favorites like DDP and Sting when he came over. Um, Goldberg was probably the third biggest star after the Rock and Stone Cold out of that era. I put him over Triple H. I put him over Mick Foley. Um, as far as a draw, nationwide, people knowing who the fuck Bill Goldberg was outside of wrestling. That's just how it is. So I get why this match is being made, and I just hope that uh, Roman gets a good match out of Goldberg. I don't know. That was kind of a ramble, uh, Chris, and I apologize. But um, what, what do you think about any of those statements?
1: So I will say I, I didn't get a see, I didn't see SmackDown last night, so I can't speak on what happened um, on SmackDown. But you know, to some extent, I think it's it's mentality. I'll fill you is... in
0: it really, really quickly. I'll fill you in. Goldberg came out right at the beginning. Uh, people booed the shit out of him. Then um, he said, "Like who's next?" Roman Reigns came out, got in his face, and said, "I am," and dropped the mic. And then that was it. That was set up for the match.
1: I and I I think that like this kind of harkens back to what you were saying. So when your dad he didn't like Hulk Hogan, but when you loved Hulk Hogan, he didn't actively sit next to you the whole time and say, "No, nah, Hulk Hogan sucks," right? No,
0: no, he just said about the warrior. <laughs>
1: where there's some sort of, like, switch that happened in, in uh, the I don't know, the world or, I guess, generationally or something, where, like, it seems like 30 to 40-year-old men who have kids are just, like, let their kids, they buy all the merch and stuff, and then they just boo, <laughs> boo that person to death or something. I have, I have absolutely no idea. Like, uh, it's the only babyface, true babyface, that I think is over to the extent of, like, Adults and kids can like is probably Cody, (laughs) but it's fucking hard to be a babyface nowadays in general. Um, The John Cena thing, the reason people hated John Cena is because he was beating like Eddie Guerrero, Edge, uh, like he was going through everyone, like top favorites of the wrestling community in general, which started that John Cena heat that you're talking about. But uh, with Roman, I mean, like. Outside of him beating some indie darlings, they don't have anyone on the same level that, like, the people that John Cena was running through. Like, when you start thinking about, like, Edge, Chris Benoit, um, like I said, Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, like, he was demolishing all these dudes. So, like, <laughs> the heat there, the, those are all big Hall of Fame stars. Whereas, like, and if you know- look at Roman's career, the people he was beating, like I said, were more... Great wrestlers, but more indie darlings like, you know, Daniel Bryan and and some of those guys. Yeah,
0: and and granted, the same thing happened to Hulk Hogan. It just wasn't as loud, and it was way, uh, you know, soon after. But there was a time period where all of a sudden people were like, all right, you beat fucking Savage. You beat fucking Warrior. You beat everyone. You go to WCW, and he started getting a bad reaction from the audience, which obviously caused him to go to Hollywood Hogan.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think in a, in
0: a, in a lot of ways that has to do
1: with people like Sting and Ric Flair and your WCW guys getting beat by this WWF monster. That that changed things a little bit as well, as far as what happened with Hogan um, to a huge extent, because it's almost like we couldn't get it done so we had to bring this guy in. It's like if the Falcons signed Tom Brady or some shit, essentially. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like you kinda just wanna hate the guy because he was, let's say, on the other team for so long, especially if you're you know, if you're from the South like I am and you're a WCW fan when Hogan came in, you're like, Well oh, that's the fucking that's WWF guy. I don't give a shit about him. Um so him turning heel made a lot of sense in that scenario. The Roman thing is so weird to me because he came back from cancer. He's not been overpushed since then, and now people are still, like, still don't like him. I guess (laughs) even though he's only been eating with Baron Corbin.
0: I just think that he would have gotten a worse reaction if he beat the fiend for the title than if he beat Goldberg for the title at Mania. So Um,
1: I I think they built in some protection that was very smart. If you have to do this, and I'm going to give them a little bit of credit on this. So. Like you said, if Roman beat The Fiend, people are going to lose their shit. If Goldberg beats The Fiend, you're going to have a split audience. You're going to have the fans that are like, well, fuck, it's fucking Goldberg. I love Goldberg. And you're going to have the fans that are like, oh, he should have beat The Fiend. So if you protect Roman and you don't have him beat anyone headed into Mania, and maybe you have Goldberg continue to beat fan favorites, then when Roman wins at Mania, people are going to cheer that. So they – they have built that into a scenario, at least, where you can make Roman look good coming out of Mania if done right. So in a lot of ways, uh, like Goldberg beating The Fiend, you know you're going to get backlash for it. But at the same time, if the idea is Roman's going to win at Mania, it's a way to get at least the heat off Roman beating whoever he was going to beat for the title at Mania. So, it, it, in a lot of ways, it's kind of smart booking, and I know people aren't going to want to hear that. And like, you know, the fiend with John Cena is way better versus than John Cena versus Elias. I think those promos will be really fun. So, uh, actually,
0: oh, it's like God versus the yeah. devil, like the the fucking goody good happy go lucky, you know, motherfucker versus. You know uh, Charles Manson. Like, I like it. I, I I think it will be fine. The Fiend should have never had the fucking title to begin. Well, we'll get to that. That's the last match. That's the last thing to bitch about. We've kind of been going around it. But I also want to talk about the ladies' match between uh, Bailey and Naomi for the women's championship match. Um, I thought the match was good. I thought the ending was stupid. It made Naomi look like an idiot. Uh, Bailey trapped Naomi's foot in the, uh, those baggy t-shirts they have to wear in Saudi Arabia, and hit the uh, Rose Plant DDT to retain her championship. So, obviously, she screwed her. Last night we had Sasha return to SmackDown on a random SmackDown to be in a tag match with Bayley that they lose. Whatever. Um, but it was against Lacey and Naomi. I think you're gonna, I think it's going to be those four ladies, is what I'm assuming. Uh, my, my assumptions now is those four ladies for the SmackDown women's title, Bayley going in as champion, probably fucking losing it, possibly to Sasha um and then like you know I keep on saying Charlotte will be going against Rhea Ripley obviously and and uh with the idea that maybe Bianca can get involved we'll we'll get to that if we can with NXT but you know I don't know if she's going to be involved as much anymore and then obviously we know that Becky's going to be going against Shayna Baszler but uh yeah it's it's interesting um like I said just a dumb ending how'd you like this match Chris
1: uh, they're just so limited in what they're allowed to do that it's hard to enjoy that match. I kind of like the shirt spot because it almost was like a fuck you <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. If we have to wear these baggy shirts, we'll at least use it for a finish. So I thought that was kind of creative. I don't know if the road agent came up with that or if it was uh Bailey and Naomi. So I didn't have, I mean, I know it was kind of clunky looking, but like when I saw it, I thought it was really funny. Uh, like I thought, it was a direct "fuck you." We have to wear these giant shirts. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Maybe I'm the only yep. person that felt that way, but uh, it was much better than that Natalia match from the last event. And I am glad that, <laughs> that the women that the women are getting on the card in Saudi. You know, it's it's a big step for them, even with the restrictions and regulations that they're putting on those female athletes. I mean, it's it's some progress right and uh it is you know as far as the setup goes with Sasha Bailey I mean I think this is kind of what we thought it was going to be Sasha Bailey Naomi and uh, Lacey um what I don't like is Lacey doing these interviews and going into her ill character and talking about how it was just a character that she can turn on and off like they should have just not even I fucking. That's like, look how fake this is. <laughs> Essentially, you know what I mean. <laughs> like, yeah. They should have just buried it, never brought it up again, instead of having her like, "Oh no, I was just playing a character." Like, I don't know how they fuck up someone that was just so perfectly built to be a female John Cena. Like, I'm still baffled by this. I am. Yeah. Um, I have no idea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and if
1: you go back like, what eight months ago on the show when she first came up, and I'm like, why the fuck is she a heel? And also, like, why is she having these big profile matches when she's not ready? Well, her in-ring ability has gotten a lot better, and they're trying to do what they should have done, but they should have just left her in NXT and had her come up as a babyface to begin with. Like, it's fucking... And I actually feel bad for Lacey to some extent because it's it's almost like the big show thing where they flipped her too soon. Like, I don't know. So I'm assuming it's going to be Sasha versus... Like, we've talked about, like... Sasha versus Bailey at at Mania. Um, that just makes the most sense, and then you get Becky versus Ronda. I guess, or no, Becky versus it's Becky versus Ronda, uh, not Ronda. Uh, Becky versus uh, Shayna Baser. Baser With what I'm assuming is still going to do a be a guest referee spot if they can do it, because they're going to make us pay for this shit on pay per view, uh, is what it seems like. And then you're going to have. Charlotte versus Rhea, right? So you're going to have three high-profile matches. Like, that card looks really good in the toss-up. What
0: what about this rumored uh, fourth female match? There was some advertisement that got leaked or whatever, and it was showing uh, basically something, uh, I want to say for like a march that ended up being one of the shows, but it involved Sasha Banks and fucking Trish Stratus. Did you hear about this shit? I'll try to bring up the information. No, I I
1: haven't. Are they going to do that um maybe they're going to do the but, women's uh, only pay-per-view not... again? Oh, I don't
0: yeah. know if they're going to.
1: Yeah, I don't know if maybe they're going to do something like that again, but Trish I thought that she had a really good match to go out on.
0: I thought she did too. I like mean, I don't I don't this? necessarily
1: like well, it was her what she it was her versus Becky, right? Like I remember um... that match being pretty good.
0: Yeah, no no no, it was it was her and uh her and Charlotte at SummerSlam and it was an awesome match. Um, yeah,
1: that's that it was Charlotte, that's right. Cuz Becky was uh tied up damn, in the I wish I remembered the Seth and there Seth and Lacey thing at that point. if I'm remembering right. I don't know. From, it's been a long time. It was a,
0: tweet, <laughs> it was a tweet from Trish Stratus and I can't find it cuz she took it down. But it was a video that was saying blah, blah, blah. Who knows? This could be Trish having a new podcast. And the date that she put up uh, with Sasha could be her having her on a podcast for WWE. So, but it was just weird. And I think that it's actually Sasha's going to be involved in that match. But it would make sense. To, that would be a fourth women's marquee match with Sasha going against Trish, which I know that Sasha wanted to. Um, I wish I, I – I apologize, guys. I, I, I thought I remembered this, and I completely fucking forgot to uh, – Right out write out the information, but it was it was basically a tweet she put out, had a date and a picture of her and sasha um, but anyways let's let's move to the last match that we kind of i, I actually, mean we've already talked about
1: hey, real quick if we're if you're talking about a fourth uh women's match at mania, would you rather see you know Trish versus Sasha, for instance, or would you be more into Asuka and Carrie Zane on like the pre show or something where they break well, those two true. up?
0: I think that I could be completely wrong, but I don't think they have enough room to put the women's tag titles in. I could see them having a match on takeover with two women that they stack up to go against them. I don't know who that would be, but, you know, uh, or I guess you would have to do the pre-show, but it would probably be with the the women's tag titles because they have those.
1: Yeah, I was thinking maybe you could drop them beforehand and then have that team split up, and then you have, like, a really big-ass banger match on either takeover or the pre-show
0: on Mania. That'd be awesome. That would be awesome. Man, if Eo's fucking healthy, like, like I said, go to NXT and put Eo on a, a, a team with one other badass and put them against the two of them. You know, something like that. Um, yeah. So let's go over this last match. This is the one that people were pissed off. I think that they set it up pretty good, where Goldberg kept on spearing him. He was getting this is like Conan the Barbarian going against fucking Jason Voorhees. And Jason keeps on getting up, and then Goldberg would spear him. He keeps on getting up. He gets him in a mandible claw. Goldberg gets out of it, spears him again. He gets him in a mandible claw, gets up. And then it was one more – no, no, it was three spears in a row, and then a terrible – like I said, it was like a a modified uh, side slam or some shit like that. Like I don't know what the hell you call it, uh, trying to be a jackhammer. Goldberg's getting older. Ray's a big dude. I get it. Uh, Into the jackhammer, one, two, three. That is it. And I think that the problem is – over ricochet over over AJ Styles, I wish that they gave a little bit more offense, but then again, I kind of understand how that's not the case because if you saw the fucking interview with Goldberg afterwards, he was already blown up, so uh, you know he's never been a guy that's you know when it comes to stamina and in ring stamina. Uh, he's always been someone that he puts on his best matches when it's you know done in a couple of minutes. I think his best one was against Brock Lesnar a couple of years back uh, where he lost the title. And that was a very short match. Probably one of the longer ones of his career. But he's not good in long matches. It just I think that, that Bray should have had some more. I think that Bray actually... I really liked his feud with Daniel Bryan and the matches with them for the most part. I liked it when he beat Finn Balor. I hated everything with him and Seth. And if he did anything besides that, it was so abysmal that I completely forgot about it. Uh, you know, and I get that. If you look at Undertaker, his matches at the beginning of the time, I, th- I forgot who the hell compared this. We're pretty fucking slow, boring, and, and you're trying to build with Bray, and I do agree that this is probably not going to help him, his first loss. But like me, and you keep on saying, not, you know, I, I don't need to repeat it anymore. It is Goldberg. He has that, that style of concept where it's, it's I think I think it's fine. I think it's going to be okay. I wish he didn't come out and point at the sign with John Cena at the end of fucking SmackDown last night. That was silly as shit. But you know, whatever. We'll we'll have to wait and find out. These guys have history together, I'm sure it'll be established and it'll be a fun um build up. We'll we'll have to wait and see for the match. Uh how did you feel about this match between Bill Goldberg and John and not John Cena and, and Bray Wyatt, aka the Fiend.
1: I mean they gave Bray more than they gave Kevin Owens, so there's that. Right? <laughs>
0: Like, (laughs) they gave him more than he gave Brock the first time. Remember when he fucking killed Brock in, like, what, two minutes? Yeah, like,
1: Brock Brock, Brock just got speared twice and then jackhammered. That was it. That was the fucking match. That first match. (laughs) So, like, I'm sure Brock was like, all right, whatever. I don't care. I'm going to win it back. Okay, cool. (laughs) Fuck it. He's like, this is about to be the easiest $100,000 I've ever made. (laughs) i mean like look it's goldberg he you, you i dare anyone to try to send me a good 10 minute goldberg match um if you look at that last match he's working with the undertaker he's one of the greatest of all time and they almost killed each other just trying to have like a legitimate match um it's going to be weird with him versus Roman, but if you do him versus Roman, you just copy that format that they did with uh Lesnar versus Goldberg. Because to me, that's like the greatest Goldberg match of all time. That last Lesnar versus Goldberg match. And it made me really like Lesnar a lot more. Also Lesnar had like six good matches in a row after that, uh, where they were just booked really, really well. Um, Cause they just did a seven minute brawl with two big ass hosses beating the shit out of each other. And it looked good. And it was like, what I I expect they're going to do with Roman and Goldberg, um, but like I said, I think yeah, Roman like, will bring what him he... to a good match. Yeah, I mean, well, all they have to do is brawl, right? They, I mean, they just literally have to copy what Lesnar and Goldberg did. The only difference is like, Lesnar looks like an absolute monster, <laughs> whereas yeah. you know Roman, he's still a huge dude. That's that's another thing that I will say about this. When you see like, like you don't really think about how big Bray Wyatt is. Until I saw him like next to Goldberg, and I'm like, "Holy shit! Like Bray is actually <laughs> big motherfucker. Very, very... He's a big stout motherfucker." Hey, for I kind of sure.
0: want Roman to beat uh, Goldberg with the jackhammer. I kind of think that would be fucking fitting. This has to be Goldberg's last match, or or one of the last matches. I don't know why he'd do another one. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, he's going to do one as long as they pay him to come back. I mean, good boy. so so here's the thing that no one's really talked about, and I kind of want to get your opinion on it before we move out of this WWE pay-per-view to mania cost situation. They've also talked about tier pricing for the WWE Network. Do you think that they just introduced the tier pricing and they go, if you pay this amount, you'll get the four main pay-per-views, otherwise you're going to have to buy those? Because I think they could also just go that route because otherwise you're going to get people bitch about the fact Mania is not going to be on the network. So I feel like it might even be a combination of things. Um, like I said, like your, your tier subscription, if you pay – instead of 9.99 a month, if you pay – $15 a month, you'll get those pay-per-views. But otherwise, if you just pay the 9 a month, you'll get all the other pay-per-views, but you have to pay for like Rumble and Mania or something like that.
0: That's exactly how I would assume they would handle it. Um, if they're doing the tier systems, because I forgot who was talking about it, but they were saying that the executives that Vince fired were the ones that were trying to figure that whole entire concept out. So Vince literally could have been like, no, fuck it. I'm keeping the network and the, the big four. Uh, he could even be like TLC's one of them if he wanted to, and then distribute those towards some other means to, you know, uh, have to pay $60 to be able to watch them. Now, I hope they don't do that. I hope for the fans, they just up it a little bit, maybe give us access to more shit. I don't know, stuff they've been promising, like progress-related stuff or, you know, other, other things uh, like that. But um, I, I, would, I would hope it would be like you're saying. I'm, I'm hoping it's not that, that tier thing was kind of scrapped now or will be different but not as, as, as big of a deal, and he's just shopping those out to make money off of them, including for us fans.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, to me, the time they gain the most viewers are right before those pay-per-views. And if you're going to do it with Mania, you'll probably also do it with Rumble. Right, as far as moving them to full pay per view. So it would make more sense if you did, like like I said, like a tiered system where, you know, if you pay for the top tier or whatever, you're going to get that pay per view for free. It's just kind of a weird thing because you almost have to spread it out to four pay per views or something for it to make financial sense. It's, I, I just, I'm not. I'm not buying the fact that they're going to just throw this thing on pay-per-view and go, everyone pays $60 for this, or you're not going to see it. Because what's going to happen is, like, the casual fans that subscribe to the network during the WrestleMania push from Rumble on, they're not going to get those fans. They're not going to get that sign-up. So, the network, like, the actual subscribers to the network itself is going to drop. And it's already below <laughs> 1 million subscribers for the first time since, like, 2015 or something. So... I, just the way they handle this in general is going to be very fucking interesting to see.
0: I agree. Let's let's uh, let's move to two more items though um, before we move on, and then we'll start AEW guys. We're probably going to do AEW and just give our predictions, but I don't know if we'll get to NXT. Um, we'll, we'll try really hard, promised. But um, is the fact that we have the Elimination Chamber? We know that they haven't established who exactly is going to be involved in the SmackDown, but that's one of them. Uh, we have the tag team SmackDown and the other one's going to be the raw women's that was announced. And they had like a little bit of a signing that had this awesome moment. It was a brawl, but it had an awesome moment where Oscar got in the face of Shayna and you have probably arguably the two best women uh, NXT champions of all time, you know, just having a stare off and then everyone starts beating the shit out of each other. Becky comes down there, starts going off with uh, Shayna, but you have Natalia live, Shayna, Asuka, Ruby Riot, and Sarah Logan. It's, it makes me think that the reason why Cardi um, Sane's not in this is because of the tag concept, and they have ideas for the women's tag at Mania, and they don't want any dissension between them. But uh, they're giving, they're giving uh, Sarah Logan a, a shot. They've been kind of putting her in certain things. Uh, and then also with SmackDown, my big question is, what the hell's going to be happening with Daniel Bryan? I like that they have a new storyline with him and Drew Gulak, that Drew Gulak sees holes in his game, and he's trying to evaluate and have these competitors go against him. I think that's actually a lot of fun and kind of cool. Uh, And we all know Drew Gulak's a really, really accomplished technical wrestler himself. Um, So, you know, he had Heath Slater uh, and then Curtis Axel last night, but I don't think they would do that for Mania. I don't think we're going to be seeing Daniel Bryan go against Drew Gulak at WrestleMania, and there's rumors that it's going to be Sheamus and Daniel Bryan, and there's even rumors that Daniel Bryan's going to get a quick win over him. If you understand what I'm saying, but what do you, what, what how do you feel if you have anything to say about the women's uh, or the Raw women's Elimination Chamber uh, for the number one contender, and also what do you feel about what Daniel Bryan's going to be doing at WrestleMania?
1: I like the lineup for the elimination chamber uh, match itself. Um, I, I think you pointed out a good thing with keeping Carrie out of it, but it kinda sucks that she's not gonna be in there as one of the best female wrestlers that they have. <laughs> uh, but outside yeah. of that, I, it's you know, it's it's Shayna. We know it's Shayna. So like it's one of once again when we were talking about the road to WrestleMania and the predictions for Mania. Like, all of that stuff is kind of seemingly already locked in. So I, I don't see any surprises. But it should be a, a pretty damn good match. So I look forward to watching it. Um, damn. I forgot what else you asked me. It was about... Uh, Daniel eight,
0: O'Brien. Glock, clock, clock, clock. Yeah, clock okay. Daniel.
1: Yeah. If it's me, I keep Daniel O'Brien off mania. There's no need to throw him on there in a match. that's not going to mean anything. Even And the reason I think people are spouting the very quick win over Sheamus is because otherwise this card already has like 10 matches. So you're going to put him on the pre-show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if you're just going to put Daniel Bryan on the pre-show, just don't fucking put him on WrestleMania, have him do something else, have him be a host or uh, do one of a billion different things outside of him just beating Sheamus really quickly because then people who like Sheamus will be like, well, why the hell did they do that? just like they did when he beat Daniel Bryan in 10 seconds. Just – it doesn't make any sense. It's a fun callback, but it's just – you know, you do have the ability to not put everyone on a card if you don't have a spot for them. If you don't have anything for Daniel (laughs) I don't know if they have
0: that ability. I don't know if they have that ability. (laughs) We're going to have everyone. Give me
1: a – Fucking – I mean, give him a match against – Gulak on TakeOver instead. Do it the night before. That would be
0: fucking awesome. That would be a great match. Just just
1: do that. Don't give me some bullshit match with Daniel Bryan. It's just going to piss people off. If you give people Daniel Bryan for like two minutes in a nothing match, well, people are just going to bitch about it. So just don't put him on nothing. I will
0: say, I will say that whole glitchy thing that's been happening the last couple of SmackDowns where we keep on seeing glitches, it looks like it might be Ali coming back from injury. They could set up that match and have a great match If they wanted to have a match to have a match um, I don't know That was supposed to be what was, was going to be The Wrestlemania match last year Was between the two of them So. Well yeah but if they do that It's still going to be on the pre-show I know that, so that's a good like, point It's like how how long is Wrestlemania Going to fucking be this year it's to, they, like, so, God damn it you get what I'm saying? Like,
1: either move it, move that, move a big match to Takeover if you're gonna do that. With Daniel, like, do Daniel Bryan on Takeover. He's a big star. That'll get people to tune in to Takeover. Like, don't put yeah. him in a fucking pre. It's just gonna make people mad if you put him on the pre-show. And for some reason, people don't watch your three-hour pre-show because they have six hours of Mania to watch. It's just gonna piss people off. So just like, you don't have to book everyone on Mania. Like, book what you think your top matches. Make those matches really good. Don't cut their time limit to like seven minutes um and have a good card like I look at the yeah. AEW card coming up tonight and it's phenomenal but it's not overcrowded
0: Yeah yeah I agree well why don't we uh why don't we why don't we use that as a good transition to start talking about AEW and we'll go over Dynamite and then we'll run through the uh the pay-per-view but um this first match man this is one of my favorite matches in a while. I thought this was brutal between uh, both uh, Peck and also Kenny Omega. Uh, they had a 30-minute Iron Man match. This is the rundown uh, via UpRocks. Thanks always for a great rundown of, you know, the pay-per-views and events and stuff. But the Young Bucks... We're in a, uh, Omega's corner. Uh, missing was uh, Adam Page. Uh, they had kind of a reason for that because J.R. Had, would have an interview shown later on that he did previous before the show in which the Bucks ended up kind of giving uh, Adam Page a lot of crap um, and also putting themselves over as the best tag team. Kenny kind of agreeing with them, which was weird, but I love these Jr. interviews. I like they they've really found their flow is what I got to say with AEW. Love these interviews, but um that's why he wasn't there. He actually, you know, got pissed off, left. Bucks were there and they watched their future opponent basically get the shit knocked out of him for 30 minutes. Um and Omega won the first fall by disqualification when Pop attacked him with a steel chair. Uh, he's getting really frustrated, just kept on pretty much doing everything and Kenny kept on, you know, uh tapping out. This was Pop beating the shit out of Kenny for a majority of the match. Uh Pac quickly evened it up uh with the black arrow to uh Kenny's side. Uh and then both men were almost counted out after a shooting star press from the top rope through a table by Pac. Fucking crazy. Uh then Pac rolled back in and Omega barely avoided a count out thanks to the Bucks. Uh, Omega was able to withstand the brutalizer in the final minutes refusing to submit as time expired. An angry pack Forearm the referee in the face, Justin Roberts announced that the match would go into southern death overtime, which Omega won quickly with a one-winged angel after a couple V-triggers, and uh, just, like I said, just an awesome match, uh, the, the craziest was the shooting star press outside for sure, but I mean, there was a spot where he basically just, what, he like suplexed Kenny, just, no, he gave him a falcon arrow off the apron onto the floor, just Kenny was getting just destroyed. Both men just put themselves in harm's way for entertainment. So you can always appreciate that. The two of the best wrestlers, uh, especially like I got to say about Pac, is that he I don't see him have bad days. He's always good in the ring since he's been a baby face as Neville. Um, and Kenny, this is the best match he's had since Tanahashi. The one before that was Pentagon at the first, at, at all in. Um, and, you know, he kind of, not 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 too bad, not knocking him, but this was definitely a better show of, you know, the best bout machine, Kenny Omega. And I'm still wondering what's going to happen heel-wise, what's going to happen tonight. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that once we see it. But either way, this is a fucking awesome match. And like I said, the Young Bucks watch their future opponent, even if it's their quote-unquote friend, get the shit knocked out of him. I really thought that they were injured at certain parts. That, that's how good they were selling it. And they obviously were hurt. Uh, how would you feel about this 30-minute Iron Man match, Chris?
1: It was a great match, dude. Like, uh, easily the best match that happened on Wednesday. And usually I lean towards NXT having the best match of the night on Wednesdays. But this one, this was a pay-per-view match on TV for free. And it was fucking great. And they protected Pac by having it go to overtime in a lot of ways and protected that character. And they set up a match for him at the pay-per-view. So, Kind of everything you would want in this match, they did. It was absolutely. That shooting star press was insane. Um Man, they have to me like once once they figure out what they're doing with Jericho, if they need a top hill, the bastard pack is is got to be your guy. He's fucking perfect for it. Perfectly fit him and MJF are right there. Is like two of my favorite heels in, in the business right now for sure. And, uh And um. Especially with the promos they were doing on the street and stuff, I think they did a really good job of building this match, especially because it was just a television match. It's it's great. So I look forward to seeing what they do uh going forward. The Bucks came off as heels in that interview. Yeah. So I'm I'm interested to see if they do a full heel turn, especially when they're talking about how like basically they were like shitting on Adam Page and how he's like an opening card match.
0: Um, Yeah, they said that in Ring of Honor he was he was like a a B wrestler or whatever. That was fucked up.
1: Yeah, so to me,
0: (laughs) I don't think they're going to turn Adam Page heel. If anything,
1: you might have Kenny Omega and the Bucks turn on him, um, which is what I said they should do because I feel like Adam Page is just like right now he's that's he's babyface as hell, Um, and I don't know how they get out of that really. Like him just being a better heel, you know. Kenny's a great heel, and I think the Bucks, just because they can be both likable and so unlikable at the same time, I think they would fit that role perfectly. So I, I would go that route, and uh, I think that's probably what they're going to do on the pay per view. In all honesty.
0: Well, how'd you like uh, after the match, Tony Schiavone interviewed Puck, and basically kind of gave him shit? I like that that, that Tony's kind of putting in a, in a in a mean gene quality. Like he's not as intimidated. Like you know when people come at him, basically. But, um, yeah, he basically told Pac, like, hey, you talked a bunch of shit. You didn't do it. And Pac was about to go off on him. We had Orange Cassidy uh, come out, put his hands in his uh, pocket, and, uh, you know, got knocked the fuck out by Pac. But we're going to finally see what Orange Cassidy is like in the ring because it was later announced that there's going to be a match between the two of them tonight, which uh, from everything I've heard, I haven't seen a lot of his in-ring work. Uh, he's he's a good wrestler. He kind of like has like an incredible Hulk-like quality where he starts more and more getting intense. So it, it should be fun and interesting to see how this happens. I still think Pac's gonna win. Uh, but how did you like this uh, interview with uh, Tony and uh, Pac after the match? Oh. I thought it was really
1: fun, and it set up a really cool pre-show match to get people to buy into the pay-per-view, because I'm assuming they're going to put this one on the pre-show, and it's Orange Cassidy's first match, so if you're an Orange Cassidy fan, you're going to tune in and watch that for free, and then maybe it'll convince you to buy the pay-per-view, smart booking. Um, Also, Orange Cassidy did say he was going to try hard, so I'm assuming that he's (laughs) going to have a full-on wrestling match here it's probably going to start out very slow, but I don't think he's going to be doing what he was doing in the Indies, like the invisible man spots. And uh, I would assume if, if you want to, if you want to see what he's going to do, watch the orange Casty Brian Alvarez match that they had where it just started out kind of gimmicky and it just turned into a full on wrestling match. I don't think it's going to be like Chikara. They're not going to do that to the bastard talk. Like he's going to be protected. So I, I think it's just going to turn into a full blown wrestling match, maybe like a minute in. And uh, probably will be really good because Orange Cassidy, believe it or not, is a good wrestler. He just kind of plays that gimmick a little bit. It, 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 I, don't wanna, I almost said similar to Joey Ryan, but like, he's not doing dick flips. Uh, but he does do ridiculous shit like that. But Joey Ryan's actually like a pretty good wrestler as well.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so it's. I, I would assume they're going to lean more heavily on the actual wrestling aspect. He'll probably do the little leg kick thing and pack will no sell it and whip the shit out of him. And then he's going to have to fight for his life. That's my guess of what the story of the match is
0: going to be. It's very interesting. And I, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, we have Jurassic Express, uh, Luchasaurus, Marcus and Jungle Boy defeating the inner circle, Santana Ortiz and Sammy Guevara. Pretty damn good tag match. Very solid. Uh, if it, it, Darby Allen came to uh, stop Sammy Guevara from cheating and Jungle Boy used distraction to pin Guevara with the Hurricane Rana. after the match, Allen dumped Guevara uh, over the top rope into Satana and Ortiz and delivered another promo with signs during the picture-in-picture. I'm loving Darby Allen, man. Um, it will come back to him at the end of the whole thing, but we'll get to that. But, dude... I can't wait for this match too and I, I I kind of have doubt of who's gonna win. I'm like Darby Allen should, but Sammy Guevara, you know, it would make sense. But uh Darby Allen is has, has shot up on one of my favorite wrestlers now. And I was enjoying some of the stuff that he was doing in Evolve uh beforehand in MLW, but the way it, the presentation just um there's a lot to like, I would say. And just good match by Jungle Express. Luchasaurus, like always, is over as shit. So is Jungle Jack. Uh, you know, and uh, yeah, I good stuff, right?
1: Yeah, I thought I thought it was a good match. It's good to see uh, Jungle Jack Evans, Jungle uh, Jungle Boy himself, get a win. Um, it sets up a match for the pay per view, and I think that's going to be an awesome match. I love what they're doing with Darby. If I had to make a prediction right now, I think Darby Allen is going to win the match. Um, just because Sammy Guevara doesn't necessarily need a win, I think he's playing kind of a swarmy mid level heel. In general, there's no mid-card title, so him losing doesn't really mean anything. Whereas, like, Darby Allen, you could throw him kind of in a feud with anyone, even at the top of your roster, and and people are going to love it just because that's how great he's been as of late.
0: I agree. Absolutely. And um, after that, we had the best friends going against the Butcher and the Blade. Um, this is a good match. Another great tag match. Um and In which, during it, we had another spot between uh, <laughs> Orange Cassidy, uh, freshly squeezed, and also the bunny, in which she tried to kick him in the balls again, and he stole, uh, she, he caught her legs, she stole his glasses, he stole the bunny ears, uh, just just funny stuff that I actually, I, I, do, I do pop for, um, but the best friends won with the strong zero, after the match, Pacquiao versus uh, Orange Cassidy was announced at Revolution with Chuck Chuck Taylor saying Orange Cassidy is going to try and the crowd chanting he will try and Bretta letting everyone know, well, we don't know that, but hopefully he will. Uh, What was great is that people that might have noticed in picture-in-picture but not pay attention, I watched the fight version, and uh, on the fight version, I saw in in between the commercial, and, and we got to see Tony Schiavone, not only put on Orange Cassidy's glasses and give the thumbs up after he did, but they all did a big old, like, the the, the big best friend's hug from each corner. And, you know, JR was laughing, Taz was laughing, I was fucking laughing. It was hysterical. So it kind of sucks if no one got to see that because the audience was into it. It was was good stuff. But how do you feel about the match? And then, obviously, we kind of talked about the match between Orange Cassidy and uh, Peck. Yeah, I like like I said I like the build to the match. I like that he's going to try. <laughs>
1: and uh I thought the match itself with Butcher the Blade uh Butcher, the bunny and the blade uh versus best friends. I thought it was, it was a fun little match, nothing crazy. I and I thought the comedy was used well because they played off what those characters are. And uh the Tony Schiavone shit, I saw afterwards, but that was absolutely hilarious. Like, so I'm in the same boat as you was thinking that was, that was great. It's, it's the, it's the kind of comedy that works in wrestling where it's not force fed to you because it's who those characters are supposed to be. So like WWE should watch that segment and go, okay, that's how we should do comedy.
0: Yeah. They should watch a lot of segments of a lot of things. Um, The Kirishita beat Big Swole, Yuka Sakazaki and Shauna in a match that was pretty damn good. Uh all ladies looked great in this match. Um really liking Big Swole, like her look, her her performance. Uh but like Shida I've been saying for a while. Her and Shana, actually since I first saw both of them I've I've thought really well. And you know and and Yuka Sakazaki she really her style, and even though I I, I feel like the persona is kind of a bit silly, but I'm not used to it, her style is very flowing, and kind of just all the styles together were very, very drastically different. Big Swole was much more, you know, obviously, like, a um, lot more punches, and and uh, Shauna's very, very quick, and um, I think her Kurashita, she's, you know, I, I have a crush on her a little bit, but uh she did a pretty damn good job. She hit a running knee on Swole to win the match. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was a pretty uh, pretty good match. What do you think about the uh, four-way women's match, Chris?
1: I think it's going to be very good. Um, or No, I, I thought it was very good. And um, I like that they're kind of rebuilding the women's division almost from the ground up after the Nightmare Collective and Rio losing the title. Uh, I... I'm excited to see what they do with big swole. I think that she's a great performer and there's a lot of cool stuff that they could do with her specifically out of that match. Um, yeah, I, that's kind of just my general thoughts. Uh, this one, I was going a little bit back and forth with what was on NXT at the time. So I don't want to comment too much about on the, the in-ring stuff. Cause I didn't have a chance to watch it back fully.
0: I gotcha. Makes sense. Um, the new uh, AEW signee, Lance Archer, was announced, and apparently he will be on Dynamite uh, next week. I don't know if that means that we're going to see him actually uh, come out tonight and then make his announcement next week, but it's cool to have Lance Archer. That's for damn sure. They're getting some awesome names, and I think they're going to get a couple more. I, I think I really do think they're going to be getting Luke Harper Uh, Matt Hardy, and also uh, Brian Cage in the next couple weeks. And those are going to be some awesome names included in this already awesome roster. But the ending, oh, actually, no, before we get to the ending, what do you think about Lance Archer joining, um, you know, I, I think we already kind of talked about this, but what do you think about him joining AEW?
1: I I think that's an awesome addition watching him in the G1 and, and his matches there specifically the the first couple nights in Dallas or the first night in Dallas um, and what he's done in new Japan, man, they have, they're starting to stack this roster with really good performers. And if they can continue to build good storylines like they did with PAC and and Omega, for instance, where that thing plays out on TV, that's going to be solid gold for them as, as a company. So Um, man, you look around with the additions that they've added and you know that Luke Harper is around the bend and probably Matt Hardy as well and a few others, some big names. I'm not going to say that their ratings are going to skyrocket or anything, but if you continue to put on a great product and make these kind of key additions that are just going to make your roster better, uh, everything is sunny side up right now for AEW. I'll say that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so the last thing we have the weigh-ins, which I thought was an awesome concept. They use for boxing, obviously, in UFC, but to play it off and do the whole entire pageantry. I thought was a it's interesting. I I I don't remember exactly what they hit on the uh, the end of the second hour, but I thought it was a cool concept to try out. Uh, John Moxley and Chris Jericho had their weigh-in for Revolution, hosted by legendary ring announcer Gary Michael Capetta. Jericho uh, go to uh, Go to the crowd and stall until – oh, no, no. So let me break this down. Let me take it away from my Rocks actually, and just kind of go by what I remember is that they both get in the ring. Um, they're going to announce uh, Chris Jericho first, and Chris Jericho got pissed off and told Gary Michael Capetta He called him some weirdo, and no wonder WCW went under. Um, I actually – maybe you will be able to make me understand what the hell he's talking about because I didn't know much about Gary. I just knew he was an announcer. But uh, either way, uh, for, they first let Sean um, Moxley weigh in. He does it very, very rather quickly. Chris Jericho had the whole entire unit of him and, and, and the crew uh, all dressed up very much like Hoist Gracie uh, back in the day, you know, coming out as one unit with the same jackets and everything. That so was really great. He was taking forever to take off each individual piece of clothing. And uh, at one part – it just got. It, that was it. Uh, John Moxley had waved enough. He came up. They went face to face, and John Moxley went to headbutt him. Obviously, I think was aiming for his chest. Jericho looked like he leaned in a little bit too forward, and he just nailed him on the bridge of the nose. Broken fucking nose. He had to get seven stitches on the top of his bridge. Uh, you know, just bleeding everywhere. And then the the inner circle attacked Moxley. Dustin ran, and uh, it was just. Mayhem. Uh, Dustin went against Jack Hagar, with two of them fighting, and just don't get near the Dippin' Dots, okay? Because Jr. was very concerned about those fucking Dippin' Dots. They're fighting up there. Uh, Darby (laughs) Allen attempted to help out, but his skateboard was broken over his head by Sammy Guevara, and uh, Jericho gave Moxley a paradigm shift onto the weight and stood tall with the AEW Championship over his head. Great way to end the show. Awesome stuff. Good way of having a brawl, honestly, because everything was thought out. And uh, just stay away from those fucking dipping dots, damn it. What'd you think, Chris?
1: Oh, no, not the dipping dots. Those dipping dots got a family, damn it. Uh, those <laughs> uh No, yeah, I agree with you. He, he was over the top of the dipping dots uh, for sure. I like this a lot. I definitely like the matching outfits. Like you said, very Royce Gracie. Like, hey, look, we're a crew. <laughs> um, so I like that uh, I like that he poked fun at WCW obviously the, the idea behind that is that AW fans are probably lapsed WW, WCW or WWE fans there's definitely nostalgia there a little bit so poking fun at that I had no problem with um, yeah and I think that Jericho leaned in and he was just like fucking stiff me to try to get color to make it even bigger because he's Jericho And he wants to do everything 100%. It was a good little brawl, and it set up, you know, the heels getting the better of the babyfaces. And now the idea is you want to see them kick the inner circle's ass. So uh, I liked it a lot. Thought it was very well done.
0: All right, so let's go over this card uh, for tonight's show. And I'm so excited about this. AEW Revolution uh, you can get it on Fight TV, order it, I think it's 60 bucks, but uh, I think very well worth it, especially based on the programming they've given us. Uh, we'll go over from bottom to top of the card from the pre-show match with SCU, Scorpio Sky, and Frankie Kazarian going against the Dark Order with Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. Should be a damn good match. We, knew, we know that even as much of a problem originally, uh, Eva uh and Stu Grayson do really good tag team work and have a lot of innovative, uh, you know, uh, maneuvers, basically. We obviously know STU is badass. I think that we're going to find some details involving Christopher Daniels or at least some stuff to throw us off. Um, if the rumors are true at Matt Hardy, he can't be on this show tonight. So, if anything, it would be alluding to another person to show up, I would assume, on Wednesday of this next week on dynamite. But uh, I think a lot of that stuff is intriguing and they put enough story just within the pre-show match, Chris. So uh, I have SCU. I don't know. I think the dark order is actually going to win. Who who do you think is going to win between Frankie and Scorpio sky against the dark order?
1: I have the dark order penciled in here. And if they're going the Matt Hardy route, while Matt Hardy can't be there, the rest of the hardy people can be even the uh was the matt hardy droid 2.0 or whatever the fucking flying gimmick i feel like they could do something fun like senior that benjamin? or even just have like yeah you <laughs> or senior senior mm-hmm. senior benjamin or even just a like a crazy piano part during the middle of the match a la reby, reby hardy um so there's some fun things that they could do there. And I, I do have a feeling that Matt is definitely going to AEW knowing that he's worked with the Bucks and is pretty good friends with them in the past. And uh, being that they brought the Rock and Roll Express in, it seems like that's a – for me, it's it's been a foregone conclusion. I, I still think they're going to tease that it's Christopher Daniels in this match, and that's how the Dark Order will end up getting the win.
0: Yeah. It's, it's uh, like I said, they even have story going into the, the match on the pre-show. That's pretty impressive. Uh, the next match I'm really looking forward to. And this is, and oh, by the way, this is not an order exactly. This is kind of just what uh Bronx is giving me. So I don't know exactly what's the order of the, uh, the match card. I just know what the pre-show match is And uh, anyways, we're on Darby Allen going against Sammy Guevara. I'm really looking forward to this. This should be, this could be a show stealer, man. Both of these guys are athletic as hell. They're both extremely fast. Um, this this could be an awesome match. And I, I wouldn't doubt if they're going to extend this feud and Sammy Guevara gets the best of Darby Allin. And, you know, maybe not. Maybe he rolls him up and grabs his trunks or something like that to extend it. Not, not anything like uh, interference. They, prob- they, they they don't like doing that. Anyways, uh, what, who do you think is going to win Darby Allin and Sammy Guevara?
1: I think Darby Allen's going to get the win here. Just just for the reasons I said earlier, I, I don't think that you necessarily need Sammy Guevara to get a win to continue to be a swarmy heel that everyone kind of hates. Um, it could be – they could do something similar where Sammy gets overconfident after cheating and then loses. I think that, that might be where they go with this. But uh, big prediction, expect a really crazy-ass uh, – shooting star or or moonsaw from Sammy and expect a coffin drop from, uh, Darby. Those those are my bold predictions for the match. And I think this will go on first. I I don't have the card in front of me, but I think this will be the actual first match of the pay-per-view. Whereas the orange Cassidy bastard pack match, I think it'll be the second pre-show match.
0: All right. Well, we have that match listed next, uh, between pack and, uh, orange Cassidy. And, uh, yeah, I think this is going to be a good showing of Orange Cassidy. It's going to take a lot of people like, what? He can wrestle, you know, that don't know him, like me. And uh, Pac's going to be kind of like, he's going to end up winning. He's going to end up beating the crap out of him, but even he's going to be like, what the hell? So it's going to be a fun showing of both guys with Pac getting the win. Uh, do you agree with me?
1: Yeah, I think I think Pac's going to get the win. Um, I think they, if you're going to put him in with someone, the bastard Pack does like this best facial expression when he can't beat someone, uh, harken that back to some of his matches with Enzo Amore. It's like, how the hell have I not beat this guy by yet? I think it's going to be kind of similar to what they've done in the past as far as Pac, uh, kind of selling, you know, the inability to put this man down. So that's going to be a fun match. I think it will be great. Definitely. If it's on the pre-show tune in and watch it. Even if you don't buy the pay-per-view, it's going to be fun all around.
0: Man, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Enzo Amore. All right. Uh, we have Dustin Rhodes uh, going against Jack, Jake Hager, and Jake Hager's first wrestling um, introduction on AEW. So for that reason, obviously, I think that Jake Hager is going to beat Dustin Rhodes and get his first win. Uh, but it's going to be a fun match, and uh, Dustin's, Dustin's fucking phenomenal for his age. Ridiculous. He's phenomenal in general. But uh, who do you think's going to win between Jake and Dustin Chris? I
1: feel like Jake has to win here because you have to give the inner circle a win, um, and it's his first match, so I'm going to go with Jake Hager. And uh, I bold prediction: Dustin's going to get color. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> on the paper. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> All right, so uh, the the women's uh, AEW Championship match: Nyla Rose, champion, going against Chris Statlander. I think we're going to get a really good showing of Chris Statlander, and they're going to have pretty much like a Haas match, if you will, just the two of them beating the crap out of each other. But I do think that Nyla Rose, they, did, they wouldn't just put the championship on her and then just take it from her uh, the next match. I don't think so. I think she's going to be the champ for a minute, but this will be, like I said, a good showing of Chris. What do you think, Chris?
1: I think this is going to be a fuck finish. Um, I don't think it's going to be a disqualification, but I could see Nyla destroying the referee for some reason because they've done that in the past with her. Um, so I think they're going to do something like that where Statlander actually has a chance to win and then Nyla gets frustrated and just destroys everything in sight to make her, you know, a heel monster that's champion. Um, they need to tread water lightly with that because she was kind of cutting like an in-between tweener babyface promo. Um, and Statlander is obviously the babyface. So I feel the way to get. Around that situation and, and some of the negative online shit that's been around that is just to have her be full heel and de- destroy everything in sight. So, I think they might that might go that route, then suspend her, and then set up like an unsanctioned match or like kind of what they did with uh, Moxley and um,
0: Omega. Yeah, yeah, I I could see that. All right, so we have the AEW Tag Team Championship match between Kenny Omega. Hey, man, Paige Page against the Young Bucks. I think that it's going to be, you know, first Kenny in the ring with the Bucks, you know, just being sportsmen, sport, good sportsmanship, basically. And then at one point, Page is going to be tagged in. He's going to be trying to go for the heads of the Young Bucks. And there's going to be that type of vibe within it. I think that Kenny and Page are going to lose the belts, maybe by something that Page does, uh, Young Bucks, you know, start cheering afterwards. Kenny gets pissed off, and then they all just turn on Paige and go after as their own unit. And I just think that them as heels will work. I know a lot of people are saying that there's not a lot of baby faces, I think, or there's more heels than baby faces. I don't think that's a big deal. Uh, we might be getting like three baby faces in the next couple weeks, so we'll be fine. And if it works better or if it works right now, go for it. Adam Page is too... He's too much cheered and he is getting the shit end of the stick and his friends are dicks. Honestly, all of them are full of themselves. <laughs> so I want to see them get eventually their comeuppance and to do that, they got to be the heels. So this is going to be as confusing as Charlotte and Becky all over again. If they don't pull that trigger, I feel, what do you think, Chris?
1: I agree with you a hundred percent, maybe not necessarily on the order of things happening, but like we talked about kind of earlier when we're when we were talking about the interview, it just seems like with the bucks attacking him and and his like rank on the card and that snarky ass comment, it seems like they are gonna make kind of a heel turn it' maybe may not a full on heel turn like I don't expect them to come out and run down the fans or anything, but definitely enough for Adam Page to be considered the you know baby face in the situation um if it was me booking it, I would have Adam Page carry the match for the most part and then Kenny Omega like or maybe even he he does like you the Bucks are cheating the entire time or something and then when Pac or when Adam Page has had enough he goes to like put one of them through a table and and Kenny stops him and then they just turn on him at the end or something I feel like that's a that that would be a good storytelling And, and the reason I say the Bucks cheating the whole time if you remember how they played heel against uh Cody and Dustin do the same thing in this match, but then Mm -hmm. have like, you know, Omega side with the bucks.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. It's, it's another match could go back. It it could really go either way there. There. I will say that all the matches on here, maybe aside from Jake Hager and Dustin Rhodes and the, uh, and Nyla and um, Chris Statlander, they're kind of up in the air. They really are. And I like that about this. Um, I don't like things being predictable. So then, next we have a big one. Do we have Cody beat MJF, have him get his fucking comeuppance on MJF, or do we have some heel shit? Maybe Lance Archer comes out and lays him out. You know, who's aligned also with Wardlow? Maybe Wardlow gets involved. You know, and extend this because right now, I mean, I know it would not make much sense for Cody to lose, but like, this is this is this is ninety one. Sting versus fucking, you know his Ric Flair, if you will. If this is Ric Flair, another person I compare him in the, in in the in the later '90s in Nitro when the NWO was going on, this is him versus who Kurt Henning should have been during that feud that didn't that got kind of cut short. You know, it's it's important, it's deep. You know, I I just find Cody to be such a fucking good babyface, MGF such a good heel. I was to extend it and let MJF win. Uh, I'm very conflicted on this one, but I think that's what they're going to do. Chris, what do you think?
1: I feel like time limit draw. They have Tully and Arn, and maybe Dean Malenko there. You get Tully being a shit heel and giving the win to uh, MJF, and then you get Dean Malenko being like, "What match were you watching?" and giving the win to Cody. And then you get the sympathetic Arn of, like, I have to choose who to give this match to. And he gives it to MJF, and he's been in the pocket of MJF this entire time. And then, oh,
0: my God. Yeah,
1: totally and then Arn. Now, that's some deep-ass fantasy booking, but I do feel like they're going to do something with the time limit draw because they pointed it out on the last pay-per-view and have driven home. So I'm assuming that you're going to have that timekeeper's table, even though they haven't brought it up. Uh, this just seems like a very new Japan WCW type thing to do during this match. And it gives you an easy way out without either one of these guys taking a real loss. So that's probably the route they go and continue the feud from there. I
0: I mean, if that happens, I would be completely down for it. Uh, All right. Another one that I'm kind of one way or the other, AEW championship match, Chris Jericho, the champion going against John Monsley. Here's the other thing about Lance Archer showing up. Maybe he's a part of this unit with Chris Jericho. Maybe he's a part of the inner circle because he just lost his U.S. title um, to John Moxley over at uh, you know at Wrestle Kingdom. So there is that. They beat the crap out of each other. So maybe this will position Moxley in uh, some type of feud with Lance Archer. He could have nothing to do with Jericho. He could just come out beat the crap out of him for, for that. You know, and they kind of allude to it, but don't go full detail, and have that be something for the basis of them to kicking the shit out of each other going forward. I think Jericho's a good champion, but I could still see them giving it to John Moxley. If you're going to give it to someone else, I feel like he's a smart person to give it to. So I'm going to give it to Moxley. Uh, what do you think, Chris?
1: I agree with you on the interference by Lance Archer, and I think they keep it on Jericho.
0: And the reason I say
1: they keep it on Jericho. It's not like Jericho has actually won any of his title matches, which I think that you can build off of because MJF threw in the towel for Cody, right? Lance Archer can come out and destroy Moxley and change Moxley's focus and not care about the title anymore. I don't want him to be added to the inner circle just because then you get into the NWO territory of now we're just adding guys. But I think that you could definitely do something there and have some really good matches between those guys and keep the title on Jericho and have him as your champion. Because he has done nothing wrong as the champion. And, you know, much like we've seen with Okada and Brock Lesnar, if you're a champion and you can go out and perform and be the guy to hold the belt, sometimes it's better to do that than flip-flop your title. Um, And to me, you could move Jericho to to Darby Allin if you wanted to. And I think that could be really fun. Or you could do – there's so much shit that they could do spinning out of this pay-per-view because uh, the next pay-per-view is going to be four months away. That's the great thing about AEW is there's so much storytelling that they're going to have in between now and then um, that whatever they do here, I think the Lance Archer thing, like you said, will be great. But uh, I'm going to pick Jericho to retain on this one.
0: Yeah. oof! I can't wait for this pay-per-view tonight, man. I'm so excited. You know what? This is the closest I've, I've felt for a pay-per-view aside from, uh, say, uh, whatchamacallit, NXT TakeOver. Like, usually when when the main roster WWE stuff comes on, it's like 50-50. I mean, I think this is going to be a palate cleanser to Super Showdown. So, uh, since I mentioned NXT, I will run down the card. We'll talk about the details we want to talk about before we get out of here. Uh, I'll start off because everyone usually wants to talk about the ratings. I know that... Uh, AEW had eight hundred sixty-five thousand, or yeah, eight hundred sixty-five thousand, uh, and WWE had seven hundred and seventeen thousand. Uh, Up Rock's was just letting you know everyone know neither one has hit a million. A lot of speculation uh, with this is that a- NXT, for the ratings that it's doing, is is very good to the network of USA. They like having NXT there, and honestly. Even though it's going against their own product, a lot of people are speculating, Chris, that NXT was just put there to make ratings for a television show to lead into Ms. and Mrs., obviously, or whatever they have in the future when that's done, uh, for USA to have a big number for the night, and also to take away from the ratings of AEW, uh, which would make sense, of and why they haven't been able to achieve that much over a million viewers, might be because NXT is here. Before we go down NXT, do you have any, uh, any any statements about that?
1: Yeah, so they're kind of just all hovering around the same thing. I will say that AEW has broke quarterly has broken a million viewers, just not average. So when you look at that number, or right almost right at a million viewers, so you got to remember it's an average over the two hours or whatever. Um, and I think I, I think NXT almost hit a million that, that first week when they did the NXT versus WWE thing. So it's not just that. But, uh, yeah, the the lead-in to the Miz and Misses is actually uh, – I would consider, if I'm USA, I consider this a bad thing because they went from, like, having SmackDown there and there being a million viewers for the premiere of Miz versus Misses versus um, – Versus where they're at now, which I think last week's was like 450,000, 400,000, something like that. That may have been the week before, but, uh, so you're seeing a high downgrade from what your lead in used to be. If you're USA, I would say you could, you could lead it in with raw, but, uh, three hour fucking show. So pretty much impossible. Right. Um, yeah, it's that, that the ratings, the ratings are the ratings, right? They're both good shows. I do think that because they're on the same night, People who are already loyal to NXT are probably going to watch NXT live and then watch AEW later. I know AEW Devices has a still. really high DVR number, so it's—I don't know, man. The, the the thought of a war with the way TV works now is just—it's silly. silly because you're just going to record one and watch both. If you like, if you really like both products, you're going to record one and watch both it's not like where I, like back in the day when I was doing the shit in the nineties where I had to like have both TVs on a different channel with VHS tapes going or yeah. record one and trade it with my buddy so that we could watch both. It's, it's not the, it's not that. I mean, worst case scenario, you could just look all the finishes up or go to YouTube. Like the idea of a war while there is a ratings war for live TV, it's, you know, that plus seven days or whatever. It's, uh, with the DVR numbers and then you add in the fact that NXT is on the network. I think the numbers are a lot closer than what people are. Oh yeah. And, and not only like...
0: that, as long, as long as TNT and USA are happy, that that's all that really matters, honestly. And I think they are happy. TNT just extended it with, uh, AW and USA. I, this still does a great number for that time period. They wouldn't have much in besides what Chrisley and some other fucking, you know, maybe a long order episode, uh, I kind of do want to go down this, uh, this card for, uh, for NXT, so let me just get that out real quick. Cameron Grimes defeated Dominic Dijakovic, uh, setting up because Damian Priest came out and hit him in the leg with a slapjack, so that's setting up something with them. Uh, there's going to be a tournament to find out uh, who's going to be going against Rhea Ripley in the future between the women and the ladders match announced by William Regal. Finn Balor came out and talked about his next move. And talked about all of his accomplishments. Well, uh, they came out and challenged him with Imperium, with a message from Walter uh, Fabian Eichner and Marcel Beltel came out, and Finn was destroying them at first, and then finally they got his, uh, you know, got ahead of him and uh, beat the crap out of him. So it looks like UK title, I don't know if this is going to be for takeover or the one, you know, takeover Tampa or the one over in the UK, but... They're setting up for Walter with Finn Balor for the UK title. Very interesting. Uh, Zaya Lee went against Mia Yim and defeated her uh, with some involvement with Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. Uh, Tomo Ciampa had an awesome match with Austin Theory and beat him, gave him a lot of offense. Killian Dane defeated Bronston Reed in the Haas battle. Uh, uh, Killian got him with the uh, Vader bomb. Next week we're going to have a uh, Velveteen Dream, Roderick Strong in a cage and also Tegan Nox and Dakota Kai in a cage. And the Grizzled Young Vets defeated the Forgotten Sons. People were actually cheering for the Forgotten Sons. Very strange. Uh, Charlotte Flair went against uh, Bianca Belair. Uh, Basically, I mean, Flair got the better of her, but she gave her a lot of offense. People are saying that she got fucking squashed in this, and I'm like, I don't agree with that. Uh, But I thought it was a good match between the ladies. Charlotte won – uh, was threatening to do, uh, basically, break her leg with a chair. Rhea Ripley came out but decided to do her full fucking entrance, which was very bizarre, and then Charlotte ended up doing it to her and fleeing uh, outside of there, hurting, uh, Rhea, or uh, whatchamacallit, Bianca's uh, leg before she got out of there. I think she even put on a figure eight before fucking Rhea got to the ring. It was very, very bizarre. Um, obviously, the the you know the last match, Chris, was a highlight, uh, Tomas Ciampa going against Austin Theory, Finn Balor uh, getting set up for him and Walter. Um, what did you, you like about NXT?
1: Well, I love Ciampa versus Theory because I feel like that gives Theory a rub for people that don't know him. It was a great fucking match. I want to see more Austin Theory. I like that Velveteen Dream uh, is not doing the pants family gimmick anymore, it seems like. And I look forward to that cage match. I'm glad that they're kind of steering away for it. it. It almost feels too little too late, honestly, because they really tried to nail that home, which to me made Velveteen seem more more of a peel than a baby face. Um, they, I'm just going to say this because I can't sum up all the women before we run out of time, but uh, damn, NXT has a really great women's division, and there's a lot of really cool mm-hmm. stuff going on, and Charlotte being factored in there too. That's going to be a really cool build to WrestleMania. I love what they're doing with Bianca Belair. Um, I like the build in general. I think it's going to be great. Like, even if we just get Rhea versus Charlotte, that's going to be a damn good match, and there's a lot of there's a lot of time in between there where they can do some really, really cool stuff going forward. I would say that they need to announce on Raw that Charlotte is going to be on NXT so that Charlotte fans can make sure they tune in
0: every what week. About, so well, if, you're, if,
1: you're, if you're going to have her there constantly, just make sure they're promoting it.
0: Walter and Finn at either takeover, whether it be the UK one or the Tampa one. Uh, well, it's actually in Dublin, which is where uh, Finn's from. So Finn versus Walter for the UK title at either one of those takeovers. What do you think about that?
1: I feel like Finn has to lose because he's not going to just stay in the UK and defend that title. So and, and also, Walter, I mean, it's his hometown, so it's WWE, so he's def- like Finn's definitely going to lose. Um, but, Walter, <laughs> but it should be a good Walter's match. Been, yeah, it should be a great match. Uh, two clashing styles. It, it, I'm assuming it's going to be a lot like that Tyler Bate match with Walter. Um, so it should be phenomenal. Yeah. And they'll probably, because it's a UK match, it'll probably be like a 20, 25-minute match. So um, really looking forward to that. I think it'll be a, a banger. It could even be like, you know, match of the night, depending on – Everyone else's effort, but uh, I feel like those two are really going to go after each other, especially in Dublin, Finn's hometown. That's going to be phenomenal. That's tune-in probably a five-star in our top five or ten matches of the year, almost guaranteed.
0: It definitely could be, man. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Uh, Hit us up, Uh, we're usually on on Thursdays at 7pm and Saturdays at noon uh, Eastern Standard Time And uh, thank you guys for me And my awesome co-host, Christopher Brother A. Patton You guys have a wonderful Weekend, and head back And listen to us next Thursday 7pm EST For an episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance Let the Geek Fives be with you And peace out